0: Hello, and welcome to the Queen Trell podcast. Queen Trell, a woman who emphasizes a life of passion expressed through personal style, leisurely pastimes, charm, and a cultivation of life's pleasures. I am Syl Annan, and I invite you to join me in exploring and savoring life's riches and the beauty that surrounds us. In the company of friends, we can laugh, discover, appreciate and support each other. So I hope that you will join me where I will talk about everything that makes up the rich and diverse fabric of a delightful life. Let's cultivate vibrant conversation together. Welcome. Happy New Year. We're in 2022. How exciting. I feel like 2021 was a very long year. I keep saying it was like three years wrapped into one. I was at my cousin's house last week in Ohio, And my cousin Gina said that she feels like this is going to be a very exciting year. She feels like it's going to be the return of the Roaring Twenties, like the good part of the Roaring Twenties, not the Prohibition and war and all of that. But um, she's feeling really good about this. And I'm just going to go with that. I think it's going to be a great year. It's starting out really fabulous. We were at a party last night and rang in the new year with really wonderful friends. Went out on the sidewalk just before midnight with a bunch of glitter bombs. (laughs) I don't know if you've ever shot those off. I had not. And you basically point them up into the sky. And then it blows up. And all of the glitter rains back down. So there is glitter in my bed. There is still glitter in the bathroom. I'm finding glitter everywhere. And I was up pretty late combing that glitter out of my hair. Because I didn't want it in my bed. But that's okay. Every time I see it, it just reminds me of this wonderful evening that we had just talking with friends and eating wonderful food and catching up and starting out the new year right with unity. So I am looking forward to a lot of things this year. And with the start of a new year, all eyes are on resolutions, right? Have you made any New Year's resolutions? I don't know if I actually have any. And uh, this is probably more like the third year that I have not started out the year with the resolution. I used to make them all the time and right up at the top was, you know, losing weight. And that certainly would be. At the top of the list again this year because that COVID 20 is real. And I'm not trying to make light of COVID at all, but it seems like the COVID 20 is a whole lot more contagious than the bug itself. So I suppose that I can consider this one of my resolutions. But you know, the thing with resolutions is that they feel so final and can often do so much more harm than good simply because they feel like an ultimatum. And I don't like starting out the year feeling like I've set myself up for failure right at the beginning of the year. It's not a great way to start a new year. So I am looking forward to getting back to my active self when I was really going to the gym, running every day, there's this, there's this really steep hill by my home, it's about four miles round trip from my house, two miles straight uphill. And of course, the other two miles are straight downhill, unless I diverge off and add like another half a mile and and take a different route back, which I do a lot of times. The cool thing about it is that I can do this straight from my home. All I have to do is put on my tennis shoes, wrap my knee. Um, I have a torn meniscus. That happened about six or seven years ago now. It's going on seven years. I think I talked about it. I talked about it. That's when I tripped and fell, decided to protect my dignity and ended up with a torn meniscus because of it. But yeah, it's great because I can just take this hill directly from my house. I used to run it all the time. I love running. I miss it so much, but I really can't run on hard surfaces anymore. It hurts my knee too much. But I remember there were a few times when I was running up this hill because it is practically vertical. I mean, it's very steep. And there was one day I just thought, I don't want to run up this hill. And I looked across the street and there's this little old guy who's like 99 years old. He's just chugging along, going at a steady pace. It wasn't fast, but he was very focused and heading right up that hill. And I thought, well, if he's not stopping, I'm not stopping, you know. So we get up to the top of the hill, and I usually turn right, which is still uh, at probably another mile of uphill. But he turned left, and there was a steeper hill going up that way. He was pretty inspiring, you know. But yesterday, January 2nd, was National Motivation and Inspiration Day. And I tell you, that man... Was and continues to be a huge inspiration to me every time that I think that I don't want to work out or that I'm too tired or that I just don't have it in me. That's pretty rare because I've got this, I've literally got this drill sergeant in my head that's always going, You're not going to slow down. You're not going to stop. You're not finished. It doesn't get any harder than it already is. So just keep going. So that's what usually gets me through my workouts. And I think that that is what inspired me to become a fitness nutrition coach years ago, was that this sergeant was in there and I just assumed everybody had this little sergeant in there and if they didn't, I sure was going to repeat everything that he was saying in my head. So what I did is I gave that drill sergeant in my head a face. And it's that guy that was running up the hill that inspired me to run up the hill. It was almost like we started our workouts at the same time. He was there, a constant inspiration, a constant motivation to get me up the hill I wish I knew what his name was. I haven't seen him in years. Like I said, he was very inspiring. I hope that when I'm his age, I am still running up hills. So this year, I guess that is one of my resolutions to heal my knee enough, or at least find the wrap that works the best for that knee, so that I can start running a little bit. Because once I get up... Past the first vertical part. The second vertical part is actually a dirt trail and it's glorious. I mean, there's uh, cypress trees, there's, you know, there's just pine trees, marine pines, I think is what they're called, and they're gorgeous. So it's a nice trail. And, you know, with all of the rain that's been going on, I will probably give it another week. Hopefully, most of the rain has passed us by. And yeah, so I'm thinking that's what I'd like to do. I think this time of the year, you know, we just got past the winter solstice, which is the darkest point and also the point where the light starts to return. So our days are going to start getting longer, which is really wonderful having darkness fall on us at 430, you know, it might as well be midnight. So um, as it starts getting lighter, I'm looking forward to exercising a whole lot more. As far as other resolutions, I mentioned I was in Ojai last week. And I just I love going to Ojai. Every time I drive into there, it's like my soul feels like it's come home. So, definitely one of my goals is to one day get property there. But when I go up right now, I go to my cousin Sydney's house, and she has this rambling kind of, I don't even know how big her property is. It's enormous. There's probably like 15 different fruit trees there, there's a nice yard, and then there's this big rambling field that I love. And chickens that run around. So usually when I go there, Sydney's mom, Gina, who is my first cousin. So Sydney is, I guess my cousin once removed. I don't really know how that works. I just call everybody cousins. Although somebody recently told me that if it's not a direct cousin, like a first cousin, then all of those other cousins are supposed to call you aunt. But that's never happened. And I need to look into that because that just seems a little bit off to me. Anyway. (laughs) So we go and stay over at Sydney's place because she's got her home. And then there's this big yard. And then there's I want to call it a guest home, but it really isn't she rents it out. So it's another little home on this property. And then there is the barn, which is where we like to hang out. So we go there, she's got a bed in there. And then next to the barn is the big old giant chicken coop. And then there's a shed and then there's more property and then there's a horse back there. <laughs> so it's a really fun place to go to. And you can see the Topatopa Topa mountain range from there. And Gina, my first cousin, (laughs) she lives in Tucson. So she comes out a few times a year. And that's usually when we go up to visit because it's one of kids' birthdays. So we're usually, you know, helping out with the birthday parties or Thanksgiving is just such a fabulous time to be up there. And we usually cook. We go out and pick fruit and make mimosas or... Gina is a fantastic mixologist, as I think I mentioned on a previous episode. So usually I'll go out and pick fruit and she just kind of tells me what she wants. And then I come in and she makes her thing. And then there's a glass in my hand. And it's always really amazing. We have a lot of fun. We usually have some activity that we do. And I think our favorite was one year when... The olive tree was supposed to get chopped down because there was this enormous pine tree just throwing shade on this little olive tree down there that was doing nothing but trying to put a bunch of olives out. There was a decision that was made that this olive tree needed to go. And I looked at it as we're sitting there, Gina and I having our mimosas. And I said, hey, why don't we pick all of the fruit? I'll try to brine it. I'd never brined any olives before. But I thought, you know, I mean, they're gonna go to waste one way or another. Let me at least try to save them. So then the conversation continued. And we're watching the chickens run around. And Gina goes, Well, if we're gonna pick the olives, we might as well chop the tree down. I don't know if you've ever chopped a tree down. was figured, well, if we chop it down, we'll have access to the fruit. Um, It is not that easy to chop down a tree. Let me tell you, we got a long saw. It's one of those long toothy, toothsome saws. And there's a picture somewhere, if I can find it, I'll post it on the social media pages of Gina and I sawing this trunk this and and it was it was a v-shaped trunk and they were very small trunks because as i said there was a lot of shade being thrown by this pine tree and we sawed that thing forever and then we got an axe and we axed it and sawed it and pushed on it and leaned all our weight on it and sawed some more and axed some more until it finally fell down We cannot tell a lie, we did chop down the olive tree. Well, half of it. By the time we were done, it felt like we were gonna pass out. Instead, we passed out a bunch of bags. We ended up just from that one side with probably about 30 pounds of olives. I ended up taking them home. I also took that side of the tree. So I keep saying that side of the tree because what ended up happening is the other side that we didn't cut down, Is still growing. So this crazy plan that Gina and I had, all of this sweat and you know, which was interspersed with drinks of mimosa's, of course, but all of this sweating and sawing and this workout that we had, trying to get the fruits off of this olive tree and saving Glenn and Sydney money because they were gonna have to pay to chop this tree down, ended up working in the tree's favor. It got a reprieve. So there's this cute little tree and every year, Gina, every single time that she's out there visiting, she gets the loppers and she goes out there and she shapes it into this beautiful little round olive tree. And we keep thinking, oh, this year we're going to get olives from it, but it's not quite ready. So hopefully next year we will. But I took all of those olives home and I took that trunk home with me. We chopped it up into some smaller pieces. Actually, there was a runner in the back, Rudy, who was really fabulous and came out and helped us chop it up into manageable pieces I could get into my car. I found two recipes. And they were both phenomenal. We scored the olives, you have 30 pounds of olives got scored. And then I created a brine for most of the olives. I think that was like a day to 10 days or something like that. And then you dumped that first brine out, the water turned really purple, and then you put another brine in and then every month you're supposed to try it. And the only problem is that you have to keep it in a cool, dark place. And if it's not cool enough, dark places have a tendency of promoting mold. So you have to watch for that. And if that happens, of course, you dump all the water out, rinse the olives, put more brine in there. And, you know, so you just have to keep watching it. And eventually you try them after two or three months. And if they're not bitter anymore, you're good to go. And, you know, once they were good to go, I put a little lemon slice on the bottom, filled up the jar with olives, garlic cloves, some fresh herbs, and then fresh brine and then you top it off with olive oil and seal it up. I don't know how many jars I had, I had so many. I shipped a bunch off over to Ohio. I shipped some off to Tucson, I gave them to friends. In fact, at the time, Cameron's uh, army recruiters were coming out around a little more frequently because he'd already signed up for the army. And we ended up becoming really good friends. I know that might sound crazy to some people. And I'll I'll talk about Cameron joining the army and some of the comedic stuff that occurred um, there at the beginning because I was I was not thrilled about it. Let me tell you, but it it's turned into a wonderful thing for our family. It's a really great thing for Cameron, and like I said, we became friends with the recruiters who I just think are really neat guys. And we sent <laughs> jars of olives home with them on one of the visits, and I get a call from one of the recruiters telling me that he ate half of the jar on the way home and that would regularly happen because these olives were so good. I would give somebody a jar and or they'd be here and I'd open up a jar And I just watched them eat one after another after another. And I was thinking, man, this person's going to get a terrible stomach ache. They were delicious, delicious. So then the other olives, what I did is Gina loves dry brined olives. And those are an acquired taste, I learned. She ended up with all of my dry brined olives. (laughs) But that was really a fun way to cure the olives, which is just... As the name says, you just put them in a jar and pack the salt in. You get sea salt, like the rocky kind of salt. And after about a week, you have a little bit of purple juice at the bottom and you dump that out and you just keep doing that. And as you need more salt, you put more salt in there and eventually they get very leathery and dry and super salty and very strong umami flavor to them. So in the meantime, I was trying to figure out what to do with these big pieces of trunk that I had brought back. I wanted to do something special with them because there was just something profoundly connective about cutting down this tree, at least half of it, and collecting all of the fruit and turning it into into something edible, because as you probably know, you cannot just eat olives off of a tree. They're really high in tannins. I mean, they have to be cured. Just having the whole family out there, picking the olives, collecting them, bringing them home, laying half of this tree to rest, Like I said, I am a tree hugger at heart, and that's really what it felt like. I wanted to do something special with this wood. I thought it would be really neat to have jewelry boxes made out of this. And it took me a long time because every time that I put woodworking in, it turned up with cabinet makers, furniture makers. Eventually, somehow, by some wonderful luck, I found a lady named Whittler's Daughter Woodworking is the name of her company. And I'll put a link in the show notes. She's in Los Angeles. And on her page, she had all of this furniture that she made. She has the most incredible woodworking shop. And she is such an expert. In one of the tabs, she had jewelry boxes. And I don't, they weren't called jewelry boxes. She had a name for them like found object boxes or something like that. And she would craft them with and adorn them with found items. And I contacted her and I told her the story. I told her about how this tree was going to be chopped down. And my cousin and I decided to take the task into our own hands. And by doing so, we saved half of the tree. And all of these olives that I was brining and and the wood that I had. And could she make some boxes for me? And her name is Kristen Whittler's Daughter Woodworking is the name of her company. And she said, I've never worked with olive wood. So she said before I take on this project let me do a little bit of research and she did and she came back she wanted to make sure that she knew how to dry it there's a certain percentage of moisture that the wood has to get down to and it's like a really low percentage so for this total number of boxes that I needed to make or that I wanted to make I didn't have enough wood And it just so happened that we had a crazy rain that year, just like we've had this year. Um, Or, you know, we're only at the beginning of 2022. So just like we had at the end of 2021. And it resulted in one of my coworkers' trees just being undermined. I mean, the whole thing toppled over and it crashed through her kitchen window and just kind of demolished the place. Um, she did eventually have it fixed, remodeled it, beautiful kitchen now, but the tree that fell over was an olive tree. So I asked her if I could have a piece of her tree trunk to make up for the difference in wood that I had. So between the olive wood from Ojai and the olive wood from my friend's backyard, there was enough for all of the boxes that I wanted to make and I took them to Kristen. She just cut them up into slices and then she told me how to dry them. So we ended up stacking them how Kristen told us to stack them to dry over a nine month period. And we would periodically go out there and move them. After the prescribed period of time, Sophie and I packed up these slices of wood. So the pieces were dry enough and she was able to start on the project. Kristen eventually finished them. I ordered from overseas some pieces for the various boxes, and then I had a bunch of just gorgeous, I am so sad these pieces broke, but just gorgeous, gorgeous costume jewelry. And I was able to repurpose those pieces in the wood and then Kristen did such a phenomenal true artistry uh, excellent craftsmanship on these boxes and she even added a couple of beads of her own and little pieces of different kinds of wood I don't remember what they all were but just stunning boxes. And so it was almost it was almost full circle a whole year because it took nine months for the wood to dry, three months to brine the olives and construct the boxes as well. And Thanksgiving of that following year, I gave the boxes to everybody. I'll go ahead and post some pictures of the boxes on the social media sites, along with uh, Gina and I chopping down that tree. That's just one of the stories from going to Ohio. My family lived there for you know, I've been going there for most of my life. My mom remarried when I was about seven or eight years old, and she married Charlie, who I mentioned in one of the in uh, one of the episodes that he would ride he rode through the desert to visit his sisters in Arizona. So those two sisters lived in Ohio at the time when I was a kid. And we would go and visit all the time. We would have these huge, wonderful family reunions at Lake Casitas. And we'd have inner tubes go floating down the river, we'd find big chunks of sandstone, and the girls would go down to the river. And we'd all sit there and talk and try to stay away from the water striders. And just, uh, we figured out that you could rub these stones with your, you know, with your thumb and shape them with the water. So we try to make bowls with them and tear our fingers up, but we didn't care. We would just have so much fun. And it's been a really good history there in Ojai. I guess that's why my soul feels like it's at home when I get there, but it's just a beautiful place. It's a very peaceful, gorgeous valley surrounded by these mountains. So that was a rather circuitous way of getting to resolution number two, if that's what it is, or my second goal for this year, which is to make olives again. It was such a wonderful experience. And they were de- delicious. I can't even express how wonderful these olives were and how sad I was when I was done with my last jar of olives. They were just incredible. Um, So I think that's going to be it for today. I'm sure that, in fact, I know that I have many more goals for this year, but I'm going to leave it at that. In the meantime, I hope that you'll write me and tell me what your resolutions are, what your goals are for 2022. And don't forget your questions, topic suggestions, your stories. So write me. I want to hear from you. And don't forget to check out the show notes for links. And be sure to visit me at the Queen Trail Podcast on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, as well as the dot com, all under the same name. That's T-H-E-Q-U-A-I-N-T-R-E-L-L-E-N podcast. I am Syl Annan, The Queen Troll and I wish you a very happy, spectacularly successful and wonderful 2022 filled with passion, grace, elegance, and beauty.